What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Finance for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wren. Join me as we dig into what it looks like for physicians to begin using their finances as a tool to live better lives. You can learn more about our resources at financeforphysicians.co. Let's jump into today's episode. Hugh, how's it going, man? Great. How are you, Daniel? I'm good. Thanks for chatting with me today. I told Hugh I was going to be running a couple minutes uh, late today, and um, the reason I'm mentioning it now, (laughs) roundabout way, there's construction in the background, so in case you guys hear that, I apologize. Hopefully, it doesn't uh, come into the audio, but I was, uh, my son, who's my two-and-a-half-year-old son, very into excavators, and we have like a fantastic as you can get excavator show like right out my window uh the road is is being repaired so that's been the excitement at the office this morning so i had to he was very it was very difficult to pull him away from the excavator show basically that's funny because my two and a half year old son pretty much same so at the top of our street the house was putting in a pool like from the beginning of last year and they really just kind of finished up like recently mm-hmm. and his grandma my mother-in-law is the one who watches him during the day and pretty much every day they would walk up the street and watch the construction going on that was like the best thing for him yeah that's like a home run that's like better than any show you can go to i mean for that age group they love it yeah everything is pretty much tractors and trucks right now yep it's a fun time awesome well i guess you this is your first time coming on this so I'll, we'll start out with kind of a quick Intro. So Hugh recently joined our firm as one of our financial planners, and he's been, um, you know, helping rock it out there. What we were going to talk about today, Hugh actually is also married to a physician in practice. And so we were excited to talk about your experience and kind of going through that and the journey of, you know, being the spouse of someone that's, uh, you know, gone through the, you know, training and and going into practice and, and that sort of thing. So, so first of all, I would I would love Hugh if you could kind of give us a quick background on on your story and high level what that journey has has been like for you guys. Yeah, so we met when I was a junior in undergrad. She was going into her senior year, and you know she was pre med. She went to med school um, at Ohio U, and so we did distance for a year there. So there was like a three and a half hour drive there and then back that I'm very fond of and could probably make that drive without the GPS um, still to this day. And then, yeah, she did family medicine residency at St. Margaret's UPMC. And now she is in practice as a primary care physician. Yeah. And so you guys, did she know for sure? I guess she was pre-med, but was she set 100% on the path of being a physician when you guys met? Yeah, I mean, pretty much since she was very young, it seemed like doctor was kind of like the the dream profession for her. Um, it was kind of like one of those things where her grandpa wouldn't let anybody like listen to his heart whenever he was um, in older age, or I think he had diabetes too, and wouldn't really like let anybody mess with him. But um, he would let his granddaughter um, carry, you know listen to him and check him out. So it was kind of like this was sort of always the path for her. Yeah. It seems like a lot of um, physicians I know they had, it was, I don't know if I would say a calling, but maybe even that is a good word for it. It seems like a lot of physicians are not in it for the money or, you know, the 
the pay. It's more of just like a passion for the profession, which I think is a huge deal. I mean, that's that's a big deal to be in a profession you have a passion for, right? Yeah, I think especially primary care too. For her, at least, you know, from my perspective, just that continuity of care and really getting to know the patient and seeing them regularly. I think that was, she's just perfect for that. And that's one of the things that attracted me to her, just very compassionate. And she really, really cares a lot about her patients. Yeah. And so Hugh is a financial planner. So it's, I think that will be especially fun to talk through this from the perspective of a spouse of of a physician and also a financial planner is kind of getting into a little bit of what it's like from that perspective as well. But maybe we could start like start out with the medical school days. When when did you guys get married? What what phase of of that training? We got married right in between medical school and residency. Okay. That seems like a common phase when people get married in medicine. Yeah, because it's kind of like when else are you gonna do it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough to fit in. Um, but yeah, we got we got married right in that sort of like one or two month break in between med school and residency. Yeah. 2015. 2015. Gotcha. Well, in medical school, do you feel like there were any, any big challenges or just in general, maybe, maybe what was it like, uh, from the standpoint of a, a spouse and as she was working through medical school, where were you at in, in your life? And yeah, so we met in Pittsburgh at Duquesne university. And so I was a senior there while she was in med school. And um, yeah, so we were about three and a half hours apart. We talked a decent amount on Skype throughout the week. Most weekends I would drive there and, you know, it really wasn't like we would, like I would drive there and we would just spend, you know, all day Saturday and Sunday, like hanging out or doing fun stuff. I mean, she still had to study quite a bit. So I think a, a lot of it was just just kind of being there, having someone else there when you're living by yourself and pretty, it feels like pretty much all you do is go to class and study. I think just having someone else there is helpful. And then just kind of helping out with little things around the apartment, like cooking or cleaning. Not that, not that, um, you know, I'm like, uh, I've made all the meals or anything like that. You are a great cook, aren't you? I, I I can get down on the, on the stove. I'm, I'm a pretty decent cook. Um, but Cooking is one of the things Carrie really enjoys too. So she kind of got me into it. But yeah, I think um, just having someone be there was really helpful to her. Were there any um, financial challenges that started to crop up or like stressors or was it kind of like a non-issue at that point? Um, what was what was it like just in general financially in that phase? Yeah, for her first year of med school, I mean, we were pretty much much both on the parents payroll at that point. But then when I graduated, I moved to Columbus, which was on the southern end of Columbus. So I was about 45 minutes away from where she was at school in Athens, Ohio. Not a lot in Athens, Ohio. So I moved a little bit north. That's when I started working. Wasn't making a ton of money, but still had a little bit of help from parents there. But as far as financially, it was pretty much just scraping by. Yeah. Kind of like maintaining the college lifestyle a little bit, give or take. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and that, I, did, I haven't gone through this myself, obviously, but in, in medical school, I think when you're in school, you kind of still have that student mindset too, which is, um, and when you're busy, it's, you know, part of being busy is you typically don't have time to spend money. I mean, most 
for a lot of people. So it's just kind of a study and, you know, go to bed. <laughs> pretty much. That was pretty much it. Maybe the occasional go out to eat or something like that. Um, I remember going on a, a nice kayaking trip once, but I mean, that was, that was pretty much it. Not a lot of um, elaborate vacations or anything going on at that time, unless it was with one of our parents. Right, right, which is nice. Now I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's um, not a, not everybody has that uh, that uh, convenience or uh, blessing. But what about in training? So transitioning into training, uh, she she did family medicine, so she had it's three years, correct? So that I don't know. Do, do you guys describe it as like a more of a real world job, or like how did? Is it a still still kind of like school? I'm curious how she would describe it or how you would describe it as a uh, position. Is it like more like school or kind of in between or what's that like? Yeah, I mean, I think at that point, it definitely felt like a real job to her, especially the program she was in St. Margaret's. At the time, it was ranked one of the top 10 family medicine residencies in the country. And that hospital was pretty much run by residents. So I'm not sure if this is exactly true, if it was year one or year two, but like you're running the codes in the hospital. It's not like your typical, like you're seeing patients in the office. Um, There's a lot of hospital work going on, um, a lot of high stress and high pressure situations. So I think it definitely felt like a real world job and more so than, you know, like you're still in school. Mm -hmm. So what sort of challenges started to crop up or what were the biggest stressors or hurdles that that, that uh, started to, to happen as she started to get into uh, training? Yeah, it's just time was very scarce. Lots of, just a lot of hours um, working weekends too, not just days. And then s- switching schedules, you could go from a day shift to a night shift, spending the whole night in the hospital. I mean, 24-hour shifts even. Yeah, I, th- I think the main challenge from a relationship standpoint was there just wasn't a lot of time where we were together. I mean, she just had to work a lot. And I guess it was probably less of a challenge for me because I've always been someone who like liked to have a little bit of alone time or else I kind of go nuts. So I think it was it was a little bit less of a challenge from the time standpoint for me. But I would say that was the biggest thing. And then, you know, fin- finances, it's not like you're making a whole lot of money as a resident and you don't have any time. So one of the things that we did that might seem kind of counterintuitive when you're not making a lot of money was, you know, we were paying for a cleaning service like every two weeks, I think. Two people would come for like two hours and just kind of help with cleaning up the house because really when we did have time together, we didn't want to spend it cleaning and we wanted to spend it together. So really like financially, even at that point, there wasn't a whole lot of surplus. We were kind of just getting by with a little bit of savings. Yeah. I think that's one of the huge benefits that may not, uh, I mean, not everybody has this flexibility, but I think in, in training, one of the big benefits is you're in this position of about to earn a lot more money. Your earning potential is going way up as you progress. And so there's a lot of like future earning potential that's going to happen but the time is limited. So, but, but, you know, maybe you can focus on buying time with the little margin you have. And maybe even instead of like saving for like retirement or something like that, like I could see the, 
I can make a really good case for like, so basically you were buying time, you were, you know, paying for some help to kind of handle some of the foundational things that you need to do, you know, buying time back. Yeah, that's pretty much what we were doing. I mean, we had, we were saving money, but no, it wasn't like we were trying to be as frugal as possible and save as much money as possible. There were certain things like that, that we felt like had a really big bang for your buck there. Anything time related, really. Lots of takeout food too, which we were living in a great spot um, in Squirrel Hill in Pittsburgh, which is kind of like a cultural melting pot. So lots of great takeout options around too. So maybe the story we told ourselves was, hey, we're going to save some time and some cleanup here with getting takeout. But I think we really just kind of liked all the different ethnic food options. Well, I mean, it does, you know, that does save time too. You don't have to do dishes and all that. Yeah, we didn't have a dishwasher either, which was a little Ooh. rough. Yeah. yeah. What what other challenges on your end? Were there were there big challenges for you as the spouse and through that training period? What 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 sort of things came up on your end? Yeah, I think there was a little bit of like, man, like what am I like she's working so hard and so much. Um, it felt like there was a little bit of like, am I doing enough around here? Like a little bit of guilt, like, should I be doing more? That was something that was definitely creeping into my mind. What do you mean? Like um, working more or? So, yeah, I guess like working more, like, is there something I could be doing on the side or like there was some guilt around like we're paying for a cleaning service, but she might be working 80 hours a week, but I'm not. So like, should I be, should we really be doing this or should I be like trying to match the amount of hours that she's putting in for other things? So there was definitely some of that that was creeping into my mind during that residency period. Yeah, that that's interesting. It's a, um, I would have not thought of that as a, but I could totally see that being something that would cause some stress. So, and that's something that can happen at any phase in life. It's kind of a more of a, when you have pretty substantially different things going on than your spouse. I think it happens with stay at home spouses. My wife always talks about having some stress or, uh, around staying at home and not earning a paycheck or that, that, that's kind of in that camp, I think of, of, uh, stressors. How did you work through it? Were you able to kind of have conversations or what, what, what helped you in that guilt? Yeah, I think we kind of just, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really have a great answer for that. I guess, um, we kind of just decided to use the cleaning service anyway. I think it just, maybe each of us has our own level of like, output that we're capable of doing and kind of keeping sane. So I think we kind of just decided to use the cleaning service and it was, it was going to be worth it. I think for me, it's like conversation <laughs> is the way with my spouse. Cause sometimes the temptation is just to hold in that kind of thing and be like, I'm not gonna, I'm just going to like put it away <laughs> deep down somewhere and just work through it or pretend like it's not a thing. But for me, it's like, if I can talk to my wife about those sorts of issues. Usually they're like very understanding and reassuring. My wife is always when I bring that kind of stuff up and it makes me you know, feel better about, and, and a lot of times just kind of completely dissolves those sorts of issues. But I think the time constraint makes it difficult even to have conversations sometimes. Oh yeah, for sure. Did you guys talk money a lot during training particularly? We did. We definitely started talking about it more later in training. I mean, in the beginning, it was kind of like, okay, let's make sure we've got a plan for the student loans. 
let's make sure like we're putting away something like 10% or whatever for retirement, some arbitrary percentage that sounds good, right? Just so we're putting something away. Um, and then also saving for, you know, a down payment on a home was a big thing. So we kind of split our savings that way, like probably half towards down payment of a home, half towards retirement just to get something in there and working. But yeah, we kind of knew we would always be around this area. So we thought pretty, we were pretty confident in we would want to buy a home whenever she was finished with residency and start growing the family. So that transition, like third year of residency to first year out, that was when we were, we knew like there was going to be a big change in transition there. So probably the year before that is when we really started to get serious about what that's going to look like. So for me, uh, I think uh, part of our my conversations with, with my wife when I get home, I know it is for me having bringing up stuff to her is that I kind of air a lot of my work stress with my wife when I come home and uh, you know tell her about what what's going good or what's not going good. I'm curious in, from your perspective for Carrie, what sort of stressors was she having during that training phase? What, what seemed like the challenges she was facing from your perspective? Yeah, especially that that hospital portion of her residency. I mean, you can you can have a lot of different outcomes where you know that are are not so good um and you felt you kind of have this in the back of your mind like could I have done more is there something differently I could have done to save this person. And even you know, especially when you're you're working at children's hospital too, like when you're rotating through there, you can see some things that really stick with you and really weigh on you emotionally. And you kind of always have that in the back of your mind, like, is there something I could have done differently? And that's where I think like the the camaraderie among other residents and um, those friendships and relationships are super important because they're educated enough and they have that outside view that they can say, based on the information you had, like, there's no way you could have thought anything differently or you could have done anything differently and um, just kind of be able to like provide that perspective. So I think those relationships are super important because I know that was tough for her. Yeah. And I think just being able to have a vulnerable conversation with someone, um, like uh, I feel like it might be hard to say something along the lines of, or even admit it to someone else that you potentially could have done more to save someone's life. I feel like that could be easily something that you just don't even talk about, which is not always typically not the healthy route, but um, it sounds like Carrie had a good kind of group of people. She would, you know, co-residents particularly that she would be, you know, totally open to talking about those sorts of things. And that's what builds camaraderie. Like you mentioned, is that, you know, trusting or vulnerable sharing things you might not always share with other people. Yeah. And though there are some of them that, you know, she still talks to like at least every week you know, to this day, and she's three years out of residency. So like, I'm really grateful for them because they fill that gap that like, I can't fill in in some ways, because like, they understand more than I do. So like, she could open up to me about stuff, but like, they can take the conversation to like a deeper level than I Mm -hmm. can. Yeah, I guess the good thing about that is you can kind of just listen, which in a lot of cases is right, one of the best things to do as a spouse. We're, I t- have the tendency to present solutions. <laughs> I 
<laughs> I was starting to laugh because I knew you were going to say that. And so there was something going on. I don't know if it was last night or two days ago. <laughs> and I caught myself about to provide a solution, which was, I'm sure, not a solution. And she was like, well, or no, I said, I'm sure you don't want me to provide a solution. So I'm just going to listen. And she was like, thank you for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very, very, very good of you. I'm impressed with your maturity. <laughs> I don't always have that uh, discipline. Well, Carrie will tell you I always don't don't always have that either. So, but I think in in training, I I, I feel like there's a slippery slope with the stress of, um, especially personalities where they maybe need a little more time with their spouse. If there's a time crunch, sometimes that doesn't it can cause stress in a relationship, and that starts to compound everything else and make it difficult to even have these sorts of conversations and more likely to offer solutions and you know get into arguments about stuff that's typically just dumb little stuff yeah one good example of that is you know like she so she works a lot she might have come home late in residency and um you know she not that this is a bad thing but she's definitely a person who like like once like more time together like as a couple like that's a big thing for her and i am also like i can get very set in my routines so like she might have she might be on a block where she was working till like 10 p.m or something and she comes home late and and she wants to like stay up and watch a movie or something just <laughs> to like, be like I gotta go together. To bed. yeah and where i'm like listen i go to the gym at six in the morning before work. This is when I do it because after work, I'm too tired. And then it's like, okay, so you're choosing the gym. <laughs> I see over... where your priorities are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that was one like struggle that we, we definitely had there for a while. Just me kind of being a little bit hard headed about it. But yeah. It's... Any other challenges you can think of that, that came home for Carrie that kind of worked their way into conversations with her along that, that phase of life? Not really. I mean, I think we we kind of just knew that this was going to be a, a tough stretch for her specifically. And, you know, it was one of those things that it's going to be worth it when we get to the other side. And it's just kind of like it, just just me trying to do my part in helping, you know, mm -hmm. wherever I can to help her. It make it a little bit easier for her. Yeah. At what point did you all have your child? Was it during towards the end of training or? We found out she was pregnant, like with a month left in residence, residency or something like that. So. Okay. That's actually really good timing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I, so. I can't imagine having children because children are great and we love our children. They have like a <laughs> magical way of like bringing up or, or amplifying potential problems in relationships in my experience. <laughs> So if, if it's a, I could see it being especially challenging in training with children. Yeah. I mean, one of, one of Carrie's best friends had a child with um, her husband who was also in, in residency at the same time. I think he was a year ahead though, but yeah, I know that was, that was definitely a challenge time-wise for them. I remember at least once like picking their daughter up from daycare and like, we just went back to their house and like watched their, their daughter together. Me and Carrie were like, well, I guess this is, is kind of like, um, Test drive. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was interesting. But there's, it's, it's hard to compare it to your own children. <laughs> Once you yeah. have them, you're like, meh. 
especially I feel like the first one now we only have one so I can't speak from experience but I know you can but I know the first time around is kind of like trying to do everything perfect by the oh, book. total helicopter parents <laughs> I mean that's how we were it's like you <laughs> it's completely different with the, the more kid from my experience the more children you have you start to become like the reverse and you don't you don't like boil i've seen i saw something they're talking about pacifiers it's like in the first kid when they drop their pacifier you grab it and you put it in boiling water and boil it and desanitize it and then the second child you put it under the sink and wash it off and then the third child you just pop it right back in their mouth <laughs> yeah sounds <laughs> and that right. is or maybe you brush off like a hair or something <laughs> that's been my experience with three children it's funny how yeah. that works yeah how did finances start to to play out in training was that did that become a bigger topic it sounds like towards the later stages of training and i would imagine that would be the case as you start to kind of prep for that big transition right like how, how was that for you guys as you as carrie started to get towards the end of training yeah at the time the main focus i guess financially other than just kind of getting something away from retirement and having a plan for the student loans you know, thinking about where she was going to work, was her employer going to be a 501c3 nonprofit so we can kind of know what route to go with the student loans as far as is public service loan forgiveness an option? That was a big one. But I think a lot of as far as like where we were putting money and trying to figure out what the future was going to look like was around that first home purchase. And I know I was I was super focused on making sure we didn't become house poor uh, because we, one thing that we really like to splurge on is vacations. <laughs> so we definitely wanted to make sure that's something we were going to be able to do. So building that in, and you know, we also looked at that as like a, a burnout prevention type of thing too. Avoiding being house poor or, you know, buying too much house. Yeah, so that we could we could definitely go on the the vacations and recharge. So like when we were when we were looking seriously at at buying homes and like what is our price range, you know, I had a nice little spreadsheet where I was trying to put in, you know, all of our future costs and I was thinking about okay, like what if she can't hit her RVU goals? I mean, this was a like a new practice, literally a new building that she was going into kind of unpredictable as far as how many patients she's going to get first year. So we were thinking about, okay, what if she can't hit those RVU goals and they reduce her base salary? We're going to have a baby, so daycare, right? That's going to right. be nuts. What if we have two kids in daycare at the same time? We want to be able triplets. to go on these. <laughs> yeah, George triplets. Um, we want to be able to go on vacations. We want to build in some slack for the things that we just can't think of right now. So that was like on the front burner. This was all happening before she accepted the position or the things you were thinking of? I can't remember if this was before or after she accepted the position. Probably before. Yeah, that sounds like a good financial planner. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been a little bit overkill thinking about like, okay, what if we had twins? But um, I just did not want to get in that situation where that's a bad look if... If you have to 
if you're like uh you have to downsize your home <laughs> whenever your husband's a cfp <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 you probably ought to make sure that's how i believe too i think you need to practice what you preach and you're one of the be- really we're setting an example for people um i've heard people take this perspective of like you need to drive a, they always talk about cars it's like you need to drive a brand new mercedes or whatever just so you convey this aspect of professionalism and success my perspective is more like i talk a lot about like being frugal with cars and how inefficient of a vehicle a wealth building vehicle they are so i ought to probably drive a whole crappy car <laughs> to convey but whatever you're um preaching you should i, I think practice it and it sounds like y- y'all have done a good job you have done a good job of uh drawing uh some of those lines there but i think what's important that you said i think the biggest thing as financial planners we kind of have this our the benefit of thinking about this every day but like you did the the big thing you did was you thought about it in plenty of advanced time a lot of times life is busy so that's an easy thing to kind of put on the back burners a lot of people i think maybe even wait till like when they're finished training um, I know that from our experience working with with families, it seems like you were thinking about this sort of stuff well before, you know, maybe even years before, right? Yeah, I would maybe maybe two years before like the actual. <laughs> That's purchase. a little early. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, when you're so when there's not a lot of surplus, right, and you want to save up money for like a down payment, we did go with a physician mortgage. Mm. So that's like a 0% down for those who are not familiar. We have a podcast on physician mortgages and that, that sort of thing, but it's typically a low down payment. Was that for, you know, 5% or less down payment? Was that what yours was, Steve? It was 0% and the trade-off is it's an adjustable rate. So you could do, I think, 5, 7, 10, 15 years where, you know, you could basically decide on how much of a, a runway do you have this rate locked in for? And then, you know, the, the longer you lock it in, there's like a eighth of a percent increase in the interest rate. But I think you know, looking back now, now we refinance during the pandemic to like a conventional, just put enough down to have 20% equity. And like looking back, I feel like we were so lucky because we got in at, in 2018, we put nothing down. Housing market was normal then. And now there are homes on our street, you know, that one that just went up for sale around here recently, that is like same, pretty similar to our house, but like a 50% increase in what we bought ours Goodness. for. So it's just, yeah, that's, that's all nuts. over the place. So yeah. little takeaway there. If you have, if you've purchased a house in the past, you know, 2018 time frame, or even maybe 2019 or before and you haven't refinanced yet, you definitely should look at that uh, because what's happened is equity has gone up and rates have gone down, which is like a collectively a huge benefit and makes refinancing look like a home run, especially for a physician. Man. Yeah. So I didn't really know like is 0% a possibility at the time when we started saving for that down payment, but there's of course closing costs. So when there's not a lot of surplus per month, you got to do it pretty far in advance to get any right. sizable amount saved up. Yeah. How was Carrie involved in these sorts of discussions about like how soon was she uh, or you guys having, how soon were you guys having conversations about 
like that transition, the finances around the transition before the before it happened? I don't remember exactly how far in advance, but we're super open with like big picture money conversations. I think one of the value we have as spouses is definitely like decision fatigue is definitely real with physicians. So if there are some decisions that you can kind of like, there are the inconsequential decisions, like what are we having for dinner tonight? Like just make some of those decisions and take that off their plate. And then if you have some other area where it's like, maybe it is a high stakes decision, but you can kind of take it and run with it and just leave them informed. I think that's super helpful. So like in this area, this was something that I could you know, we could have the big picture conversation because it's not just a house I'm living in, like it's something she's living in. And I also want to make sure that she didn't feel like a financial weight on her. Like whenever we, we do have, whenever she is like in practice. So like, we want to make sure that we're on the same page there. But as far as like operationally, like with the finances, that was something I could just kind of take and run with it. Yeah, that that makes sense. So you all had, but you had had the big big picture discussions about what's most important. Like, tr- you know, it sounds like you guys are enjoy traveling, and you want to have margin and build in some protections against potential for burnout and and having a family. I know is important, um, but y'all had the biggies, like the big conversations. It's like it's kind of like marriage counseling. Like marriage counseling uh, is a <laughs> A lot of times when you're there, you're like, I don't need to do marriage counseling. But really, marriage counseling is excellent, at least when I did it. Because they, if and for me, we had already had these conversations, but it's a kind of a last check to be like, have you talked about these huge issues that will eventually come up that a lot of times are deal breakers uh, for a marriage? And let's make sure we're having those conversations about the biggies ahead of time. Because uh, what happens is when you start transitioning into practice, that's like a kind of a, I don't know, emotional high, you know, high stress sometimes situation. And I think that's when if you don't have a plan already in place, it's probably a, a time where you're prone to uh, slipping up a little or making a quick decision that's not in line with your values. And it's so I'm curious about your experience. Do you feel like there were any I have a feeling y'all did a really good job with it because of what you've said so far, but do you feel like there were any mistakes or things you would do differently going back or looking back? As far as from like residency or even like early transition, I don't know if there's anything, I'm sure there will be something that I'll think of later, but there's nothing that sticks out in my mind. That is like a huge mistake financially, at least anyway. There you have it. The benefits of being married to a financial planner. <laughs> we need Carrie on here. She, I'm sure she'll have a different take. Yeah. Well, she, yeah, maybe she, you know, she, give her a lot of credit to like, definitely like between the two of us, actually, she's probably the more frugal one. You know, maybe, maybe it's just kind of like experiences with money growing up, which is something we ask our clients about. And um, so her experiences kind of lend her to be a little bit more frugal. Whereas me growing up, it was kind of like, uh, there, I was never told no to whatever like Jordan shoes I was picking out. Before, oh, uh, like you were school. one of those kids. <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like that definitely played a little bit into it. Have you and Carrie talked about that? Like your experiences around money as, you know, through your childhood? Oh yeah. We've definitely talked about that. Cause that is not common by the way. <laughs> I mean, I, 
we're financial planners, so we talk about it every day. But I think, I don't know, I would be curious to hear from the those of you listening. I, my guess is most people have not had discussions with their spouse around like their relationship with money and how their childhood affects how they view money. I would think that's a pretty rare topic for people. Yeah, I would be curious too. But you are a financial planner, so... I'd be curious if, 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 if those of you listening have uh, different thoughts, please reach out and let me know. But anyway, so you're transitioning into practice. Um, and so as, when was that? Was that, uh, what year was that? That would have been July of 2018. Okay. So July, 2018, so about three years ago. And you're about to have your first child, you're buying house, a uh, lot of transition happening all at once. But it sounds like you had a good kind of game plan locked up to where it was just a matter of executing, right? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's a good CFP right there. <laughs> so then as you transition into practice, as Carrie starts her new job, how did things change? Um, what, From your perspective, what sort of change did you observe in her and in your life? As far as I think moving into this new house, like we have some friends who have purchased bigger homes in kind of like the the quote unquote doctor house we feel like we like we purchased the doctor house but it's not necessarily the doctor price tag i mean so we live in a rural area so i'm sure that helps a lot so it's not like it's not like oh we're we're so much smarter than everybody else or anything like that i think we kind of lucked out with just kind of where we're living but we both feel like we're living the life pretty much now as far as like lifestyle. Um, you know, we have a, a great house. We have a pool, which is definitely like I knew a pool would be expensive to maintain. I didn't know quite it'd be this expensive. That's huge, important takeaway right now <laughs> for those that don't have a pool that are considering. It's one of those things that you always are going to underestimate the cost of maintaining yeah. Kind of like a boat or, you know, pool. Yeah. I mean, luckily we build in a ton of slack in the budget anyway. And the pool is kind of like our thing where it's kind of like, yeah, on paper, this might be a little dumb, but we don't care. This is just worth it to us. And yeah. a lot of that is, so there's a natural gas line hooked up to it. So it's heated. Oh, that's, that's I was going to say like he's in Pennsylvania. So like uh, not, I don't know. But if it's heated, that's game changer. <laughs> yeah, because now we actually like use it. Yeah, quite a bit. So, yeah, pools are definitely expensive, but that's a that's a big part of like our our lifestyle in the summer. We we try to be pretty active, so like swimming, and it's been great for our our kid. He loves it. So it, we call it we chalk it up to like family time. And really, what it does is, since we kind of live, we're about an hour from my in laws, about an hour and a half from my mom, and like maybe 40 minutes from a lot of our friends. So like it kind of gives a reason for everybody to come together too and, and have people over. So in that respect, it's kind of been worth it to us. Yeah. It sounds like you're doing a good job kind of living out those values. I know, you know, I'm sure there's none of us are perfect, but I'm sure that there's, there's challenges along the way, but with the biggies, it sounds like you are, are you guys are well in line with what's most important. You built in the margin I think that's such a critical thing too, is building in margin, especially for analytical. I'm kind of an analytical person and I think a lot of physicians are analytical. The temptation is 
for an analytical person to like account for everything. And the problem with that when you're planning ahead is it's impossible <laughs> to account for everything. So you, it almost like it's like shooting yourself in the foot when you account for everything. Because what happens is you plan out this future and you account for every dollar, you know, with the house and the, everything else you do. But then it all in, it's all more expensive than you planned. You're like, oh, no, my budget is blown. And it's and that just kind of amps up the stress. Yeah. You can't really uh, plan monthly for a new roof. <laughs> no. Uh, and they are so expensive. And houses need new roofs every, what, 15 to 20 years. I mean, that's just going to happen. Yeah. Luckily, my, my father-in-law does roofing estimates um, as sort of like his retirement thing just to kind of get out of the house. So uh, maybe he can he can give some pointers on how to get insurance to cover it or something like that. But right. <laughs> I don't that's, think we can nice. really rely on that. That's a nice little perk. <laughs> well, what about from Carrie's work perspective? Have there been so you talked about some of the stressors that came home, um, you know, and the challenges in that position that that she was having? Um, are there are there new challenges in the role she's in now that kind of come home and in conversations? you guys have or what what does that look like yeah so the challenge is she's working less hours than residency but she's still working a lot and when you're a parent now on top of it that's a game changer so like i think for her i don't want to really want to speak for but i think it kind of feels like she's constantly battling for her time with the big hospital system you know like there's there's constant push to do more with less. And it doesn't matter if you did 10 or you did 15. We want five more. You know, like it's it doesn't matter. That's just the name of the game. And so like I think the problem is, you know, when you're looking at numbers on a spreadsheet, like, you know, for some of these administrators, it's kind of like you can't really see what's going on behind the curtain. And like how much time is actually required to spend with, with these patients. I mean, the patient population that she works with is a very sick patient population. Lots of challenges in that community. Low-income community used to be like a steel town in the 80s. A lot of that industry has gone away. So that brings about a lot of challenges that I'm sure some other primary care physicians can imagine. So you, you know, you find yourself you may have a patient who lost someone close in their family to an overdose or something else that was really terrible. And you can't fit that into a 15 minute patient appointment slot. So, yeah. And so it, it's, it's just, it's a challenge as far as like, I know it's super important for her to spend the necessary time with the patients and do the best job as she can for them. And then you know, there's, but then there's the, the corporate medicine competing priority of how fast can you shuffle people in and out? So that's kind of like the, uh, the battle that I think is, that's the main battle that she's kind of fighting right now, figuring out, you know, how can she still do her job and as best she can and kind of meet all of these, meet all of these, uh, I guess, boxes to check. Yeah. It's, it, and it's the type of person that, I mean, the right type of person, like the physician I would want to go see is someone that does have a passion for it and genuinely interested in um, and feels 
strongly about providing the best possible care for the patient. And But those type of personalities, I'm sure it causes even more stress uh, because, I mean, they're in direct conflict at the end of the day. Like you can't do, it's very difficult at a minimum to do, to balance that. We talked with Doc, uh, Ryan and Katie Brown last, last episode. Did you, you said you listened to that right here. I did listen to it. I shared it with Carrie and, and it's, it's pretty much when I heard Kate, what Katie and Ryan were talking about, it's kind of like, yep, I hear a lot of this around the dinner table. Very similar. Yeah. And it doesn't, so they took a, I don't know, I guess a more aggressive approach, but they, they definitely took a, they took a, it was speedy. Like they addressed the problem fast. They felt that pressure and their approach was to change careers, not totally, but kind of change the flavor, have their own practice. And they started at a concierge practice. Uh, and that works, has worked ex- exceptionally well for them. And they no longer have those sorts of stressors. Those stressors are really challenging because it, a lot of it's out of your control too. And so you can, it's almost, I don't know, it's more, probably more difficult to solve that. But there's a bunch of different ways to, to kind of work through that challenge um especially if you have good administrators or good people around you that kind of think the same way yeah i know it's it's challenging for her because she loves like this community like she really loves her patients and she knows that she's making a big difference there so like she doesn't want to like go leave to a job where maybe it's a little bit more cushy it's just kind of balancing those competing priorities that is tough because I, I I know she just she she knows she can make a difference and she loves she feels like I think she feels like she can get through to these people a lot of these are people who maybe haven't taken their health so seriously and haven't been to a doctor in a long time you know she's kind of able to convince them to take care of themselves and a lot of them it's kind of like she sees one family member as a new patient and then all of a sudden the whole family comes over i mean that's kind of like that's kind of how it is i mean there's not a ton of doctors in the area like as far as specialists either so i know that can that's kind of a challenge as far as referring out but i know like she's a rock star at like what she does and it's kind of like one family member meets her and then the whole family comes over because she's that good that is always a good good they can tell that she cares a lot Yeah, that's huge. That's a huge compliment to her work too. I can see that being awesome, but then there's also, it's just a lot of people. There's a lot of people that need a lot of help. Right, right. I mean, there's only so many new patients that she can take on. Yeah, we we had a um, podcast a a while back. Uh, Jeff and I talked about Mo Money, Mo Problems, that uh, concept. You you know Notorious (laughs) B.I.G. Of course. Are you too young for that? (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, that was, that was a You're little like bit like five before. years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little bit before my era, but yeah. Well, we talked about, you know, some people have this idea that, uh, the, the, as income goes up, there's more challenges and as wealth goes up, there's more challenges and other people believe it, you know, provides benefits. It's, you know, mostly benefits, but how has your experience been positive in as, as your financial position has improved do you feel or do you feel there's new challenges you didn't expect uh as you know your financial position improved 
you know, we haven't, I would say there was a lifestyle change when we moved into this house from the standpoint of like rent versus like what we're paying in a mortgage now. We're probably actually eating out less because we don't live in an area where there's a ton of options around. Yeah, it's like McDonald's or Arby's. Yeah, so it's kind of like the house and the pool, which I guess you could lump into the house, are like our major lifestyle increases. Aside from that, maybe we're like a little bit more apt to like stay at the nicer resort when we go somewhere on vacation, um, but we're not staying at the Ritz-Carlton either. So like there's a little bit of that has changed, but one of our, our main priorities when we, when we, um, when Carrie went through this transition was building up enough money on the sidelines. I won't use the name of what we call this. <laughs> I, fund, know where, I know where you're going, but there is this fund where if she's just had enough with her current job situation, she could leave at any point that she wanted to. So like that flexibility is built in there. And I think that peace of mind has been huge for her more than any car could be or any like specific vacation or house i mean it's that way she's working on her own terms and like yeah there are challenges and like a lot of times she comes home and you know it was a tough day like those are always going to be there but you know the, the important part is she can choose to go to this job she's not forced into it she doesn't feel like oh i have to work this amount of days per week to like keep the lights on because we chose a, a lifestyle it's 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 definitely like builds in some flexibility for her there yeah tell us a little bit more about this fund i i, <laughs> I know we've talked a little bit about it but i have a feeling some people might be thinking of like financial independence or that sort of thing but maybe you could explain a little bit more about what you're talking about yeah so you know this is where like being a, a financial planner where maybe the right answer on the spreadsheet is to invest more aggressively. I think given her experience growing up with money and just also just from my standpoint, just wanting her to like be more comfortable in like her career situation. It's really, it's just, we have more cash sitting in a, an online savings account, you know, quote unquote, high yield, not really high yield yeah, anymore. Very low high yield. <laughs> I wouldn't call half a percent high yield, but sitting in an online savings account where money is going into from every paycheck. I mean, really, we could kind of turn it off at this point, but yeah, it's just money sitting there in a bank account we can access at any point should she choose to not go back to this job for another day and take some time to find the right opportunity. Yep. That's a huge deal. And, you know, maybe that's the difference of being able to, like the Browns we were talking about, to start your own concierge practice. Maybe that's kind of the uh, the, the, the comfort you need or the, the backstop you need to make a big decision, like just to peace out on a practice that's paying you a very good wage. Um, it doesn't have to be, I think the big thing is it's, we're not talking like you have to be financially independent and you have to have millions in an investment account and be able to pay yourself or live on forever. It's more like having a larger than normal amount of cash that you're continually starting to build up and that maybe you could use to start a business or take a year off if you worst case scenario had to, or take a lower paying job. That's the kind of thing 
that can be like life changing because there's a lot of people that are in jobs they hate and it's just not worth it. I don't think to, I mean, you spend a ton of time in your work, you know, they talk about like mattresses and you spend like tons of hours on a mattress. You might as well spend a lot of money. It's like, and you're, you're not even awake. I mean, like this is a job you're working in. That's a huge deal to have to hate your job for you know 30 years or whatever. A lot of times it's just because financially you need the income and having that option to be able to comfortably bail out or make a big shift is huge. I mean, that's just. Yeah. The other thing it gives her too is, you know, leverage at like contract time, right? I mean, like she, there's no reason that she should be afraid to ask for whatever she wants and needs. Like if she wants to go down to 60% or, you know, she needs another MA, <laughs> not that they will, might give it to her, but, um, you know, like there's no reason that she should be afraid to ask for whatever she wants. Yep. And I imagine like going in that conversation, if you know in your mind that you have this like backstop, you're going to be worrying less and it, more confidence will come across, which tends to improve your ability to get, get what you want done. That was like priority number one for us. Pretty like pretty much whenever she started making significantly more out of training. Yeah, that's a that's a big deal. And it doesn't have to, I mean, in over time that kind of thing can evolve. It's not like you're making a lifetime decision to put money in a savings account. Like you can kind of evolve it into things like as life becomes a little more settled or you start to enjoy your job. I mean, then it's like kind of a maybe you should put it somewhere else or pay off some debt or invest it or whatever. Early in practice, there's a lot of uncertainty sometimes. Yeah, I mean, could it be in a taxable investment account? Sure, it really it could. It would have made a lot more money than sitting in the savings account. But I think, again, like kind of going back to her experience with money, it's more important for it to just be there in a savings and there's no like daily fluctuations or anything to worry about that it's it's not going to make or break our situation anyway so like we're probably at a point where we could should just turn it off and kind of redirect that savings into some other form of investments which we probably will do soon but yeah it just it's not going to make or break our situation and if it helps her feel better about it i mean who cares yeah no that's a big deal so i think good financial planning being responsible with your money it's not always about like the best rate of return. That's sometimes a misconception. I think it's more about being happy or, you know, reducing stress. That's got a, that's priceless. Yeah. And one thing's we, we did kind of dip into it when we refinanced our, our mortgage. Like, so it kind of, in a way, like it reduced our monthly expenses by quite a bit whenever we paid the mortgage down to get 20% equity and refinance at a lower rate, like much lower rate. So like that in a way kind of like reduced that monthly need and then we kind of built it back up again. And there's also something to be said, just the the idea of having margin monthly because, you know, in order to build up something like that, you have to have some, you know, monthly chunk that's straight up just extra that you're saving. And so that in itself is added flexibility because that's, you know, that much less you're dependent on your work and, or in other words, you could take a lower paying job or shift down your workload and still be okay. 
and not, you know, not be in a position where you can't pay your bills. Yeah. I don't, I don't want her to, <laughs> to feel like, like she has to kind of carry the weight, like financially because we chose a different lifestyle. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up any words of wisdom, if you're talking to your prior self, when Carrie was in training earlier on and, or just, you know, maybe the transition period, any, any words of wisdom come to mind as far as things you would say to your prior self, knowing that this was coming? Yeah, I think um, just kind of what I've learned from experience and some of it I've kind of already talked about is just, just be supportive and listen. You don't always have to have a solution. Just listen. Try to help with like making decisions that are inconsequential. Like just, you know, they're making so many high stakes decisions already throughout the day. Like if they don't have to think about what you're eating for dinner or, you know, those kind of things, you can just, just make those decisions and they'll be very thankful. That's about it. Yeah. So any of you guys listening, if you're a physician, you can make sure to share this with your spouse and like, make sure to listen to that last part. If you don't, if you don't hear any of it, what do you mean? Like, you don't always do that. She's yeah. right. <laughs> I, I could uh, be better. I definitely need to, uh, remind myself sometimes do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's a work in progress. And I think that's good advice for anyone. It's just, uh, it's, um, especially though in that career phase, I think when it's, when you have limited time and, and, uh, and limited brain power, really, I think is what it comes down to. It's just at some point you're like, <laughs> just fried. You're like, I gotta, I'm, I'm gotta go home and sit and need nothing <laughs> in silence. Yeah. yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, you, thanks for coming on. I've enjoyed talking through this and, um, it's always good to talk in general, but I appreciate you sharing a little bit of your story. Yeah. Happy to do it. Thanks. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please give us a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Also check out our website at financeforphysicians.co for all sorts of additional content. See you next time. Finance for Physicians is not an investment, tax, legal, or financial advisor. All content included in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial tax or legal advice. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by Finance for Physicians as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. If you don't have an advisor or would like a second opinion, feel free to check out our website for recommended advisors.